0: Hey, Andy Phillips here. And I'm Tom Hackett. You may remember us from that time when we used to try really hard to make plays on fourth down. But we're back at it with a brand new show called Special Forces Gang, where we give you new perspective on what it takes to be a football player. We talk all things Utah football, sports, and life. Don't miss Special Forces Gang.
1: Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or on kslsports.com. Go Go Utes. Utes! Emerging technologies are transforming the healthcare industry as we know it. Investors, say hello to HTEC, a portfolio dedicated to capturing the significant growth potential of healthcare innovation. Learn more at roboglobal.com slash HTEC.
0: Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, we've got Ryan Turk.
1: Um, so it created a lot of um, people using empty parking lots. And, and sometimes the guys that had a uh, some more stupidity would take it to the streets, which is obviously not ideal. And uh, now, but now it's grown into such a big sport where there are, um, big time grassroots level support events that you can go to almost anywhere in the U S and Canada and, um, in the world.
0: Brian, thanks for making time.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So
0: for people who haven't seen you on the podium, uh or haven't to watch your youtube antics and excitement uh give us give us the 30 second rundown on Ryan Turk uh
1: so my name is Ryan Turk i am 34 years old i've been uh racing or driving in motorsports for the better portion of my life i grew up racing dirt bikes from about 9 to 19 and then immediately uh switched to motor racing or cars and uh, i've been doing drifting professionally for the last uh 15 years And also, um, around that building myself as a brand in the social media world and creating, uh, uh, content on or action motorsports content on YouTube and Facebook, um, garnering, you know, millions and millions of views. I love it. And by
0: the way, just because you do show up in a number of places, what, what are like if somebody's looking to see you put, you know, a Ferrari engine in a Toyota Scion or these kind of things, right? Uh, what are some of the main shows so I've seen you on Donuts? See all the Network A stuff. What are, what are some of the main ones for people to come see your stuff?
1: So yeah, the main the main places to come see the most recent stuff is uh, is is typically the same places. Um, I have a new outf- a new outfit that I work with called Race Service, and uh, they're essentially a media house that or an automotive culture hub. Um, I guess is the correct term because they do a lot more than just media. And uh, but they're the ones that are producing and filming the latest um, the latest uh, digital content show that I have going with my my good friend Chris Forsberg, and it's sponsored by uh, Gum Out and Black Magic, and uh, it's out on the it's actually being posted on a Donut channel um, as well as Race Service Gum Out in the Black Black Magic uh, Facebook channels.
0: Great. So for people who don't know the evolution of drifting and just how competitive it is now. Can you give people a little bit of a little bit of a scope for maybe folks who haven't followed the sport?
1: Sure. Uh, so drifting in the U S has been around for roughly 16, 17 years. It's a sport that started in Japan um, and it was a professional series in Japan before it had come to the U S and started gaining a lot of interest um, in the U.S. I think the first competition was when uh, some organizers brought over the the Japanese drivers to compete in Southern California I think in 2002 and then the um, the first professional uh, U.S. series started uh, which is called Formula Drift in 2004 and uh, and then local events and grassroots events started popping up in 2003 so it was a it was a bit of a uh, a support system there from grassroots to professional that only took about a year and a half, which is pretty crazy. And now drifting has been in the U S uh, you know, from 2004 to 2018 and we're just finishing up, I think the fifth, I guess that would be the 15th professional season. And it's, uh, it, it's been a long journey. Um, I have had the pleasure of kind of being at the right place at the right time where my skills, uh, progressed as the sport progressed into a professional series. So I was right there to capitalize on uh, already having a skill set that could compete at a professional level. Uh, But I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a professional back in those days just because I've learned so much since then and and the sport has progressed so much since then uh, from a competitive standpoint.
0: Sure. And just uh, for a little bit more background for people and then I want to talk about gaining mastery and some of the insights of all the repetitions you've had to make to get to the level you got to um, for people to understand how it's scored compared to other car racing that they might be more familiar with f1 or rally yeah. or or you know other motor sports they might have in mind where you guys are getting out there and sliding sideways can you help people understand how you win at drifting
1: Sure. So the quick, the quick and dirty is uh, it's it's not a race. It's a judged sport, just like uh, a lot of the games that, uh, or a lot of the X games and skateboarding, BMX, um, those kind of action sports, where you have you go into the weekend, you have a uh, open practice to get comfortable, get your cars set up, and that's a Thursday, um, and then Friday you go into your uh, qualifying, and you get two non-consecutive laps of qualifying. Uh, your best score moves you into a bracket of top 32, where first place qualifier goes head to head against the second place qualifier. And you basically go, you know, top 32, top 16, top eight semifinals to the finals. And within the tan, they call it the tandem competition. uh, Each driver, both, both have a chance to lead and follow. And then you're judged on uh, the different aspects of what drifting is. So, angle, which is how sideways you are, uh, your line and your line is where the judges will put different clipping points, um, around the course. A lot of them are at apexes. Some of them are up on walls where they want you to basically scrape your bumpers on. Um, and a lot of that is for the action for the fans. And then the most subjective part of the, of the uh, of the judging criteria is the, um, uh, why am I trying to blank so hard right now? Sorry. <laughs> uh, style. It's, it's style. And uh, style is the the most points that you can get. And it's the most subjective. So it's uh, essentially how aggressive you're driving, how hard you're driving, how exciting it looks, how many chances you're taking on track, uh, and and how perfect, I guess, your run is. So yeah. Uh, that's, it's really hard to draw conclusions from that sometime. But when you watch drifting for a, a, a long enough time and you see us, you see a run and then, and you compare it to another and you're like, wow, that was really good. And you know, that had a lot of style to it is something that you can kind of compare it to like that. Yeah. Um, and then in a tandem competition, you, you use all those aspects and to beat the, your, your opponent, uh, when you're the chase driver, you're essentially just trying to stay as close as possible to the lead driver in front of you, mimicking everything that he does on track. So when he makes a transition, um, you want to be transition right with him and be right up on his door or as close to his car as possible. And a lot of times in competition, cars will actually make contact during the middle of a run going 80 miles an hour sideways and, uh, and then just, you know, continue to push the limits and keep going without any mistakes. So it's, uh, it's a very exciting um high horsepower smoke-filled action um that happens on course that the fans love. Yeah, can you
0: talk about that and and especially um you know how how it's attracted big business because it has been appealing to you know the guys that grew up maybe more my grew up more my my age your age and and kind of yeah. uh, uh you know it's not just a it's not just a thing that punk teenagers are doing on the side that it's it's really attracted the massive attention it has.
1: Yeah, it's it's grown quite a bit obviously or in the early days it was hard to um it was hard to get to local events uh, for myself it was I'd have to drive 5 hours to a local event once a month. Um so it created a lot of um people using empty parking lots and and sometimes the you know the guys that had uh, some more stupidity would take it to the streets which is obviously not ideal. And, uh, now, but now it's grown into such a big sport where there are um, big-time grassroots-level support events that you can go to almost anywhere in the U.S. and, and Canada and in um, the world to go drive um, safely and uh, develop your skills in, uh, in an environment where you're not going to get yourself in trouble. You're such a good
0: spokesperson for the industry nowadays,
1: huh? <laughs> I've had a lot of time. I've had a lot of time. <laughs> so... Um... For, for folks
0: who have not driven 80 miles an hour sideways, skidding, sliding within, you know, feet, in some cases, inches of another car. Can you talk about um, just some of your approaches and some of your mindset of how to, how to gain that level of mastery where you can bring that kind of confidence that you're not going to die?
1: Yeah, it's just practice and seat time. Um uh, as with every everything and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have heard the term before I forget I should I forget exactly what it is, but it was to take about uh a million hours or 10,000 hours to uh to master any trade or any any craft that you're into or hobby or whatever the case is. So, uh with that being said and using that mindset, it just takes practice time um, and experience. So, uh, you really just have to be able to have, have that time and those, um, those things under your belt where you can go to the track and practice and, and challenge yourself. Um, you know, obviously you have to use your practice wisely and in drifting, it's, it's really tough because, uh, the costs are very high in the sport, you know, being 15, having a 15 year professional run. You know, it still does the grassroots level. It's still very difficult and expensive. And there's not a ton of sponsors on that side to go out and practice every day. So when you go out and you do get the practice or you do get to drive in competition, you want to utilize every second and every minute that you have to better yourself. So what I used to do would would uh, I would watch uh, professionals in Japan. This is still early on where you couldn't really relate to any professional drivers in the U.S. because there really weren't any. Um, so I would always watch videos that I'd order online and just, I would dissect their driving style, how they would do something. And then I would, when a practice day came where I was able to go to the track, I would go out and I would practice specific things that I had written down that I knew I needed to work on or different areas that, um, I knew I wasn't good at yet. So I would, you you know, I would utilize every second that I had to try to develop my skills and and, and progress in the fastest way possible. And that and, and progressing that way allows you to get more comfortable overall in a much faster way and allows you to go. It, it allows a comfort level to where you can you can get a you can get up to a point where you're scraping walls uh, with your bumper at like I said, 80 miles an hour and not really have your heart rate go up too much high, <laughs> higher than it normally would, or, or, you know, not putting the car into the wall and crashing. So you can make these incremental adjustments um, without crashing when you're letting it all hang out.
0: Or like tape a baseball bat to the back of the car and go smash watermelons that are lined up. Right?
1: <laughs> what are that? That's the fun stuff that you get to do. That's not highly, Competitive. It's more of a fun competition atmosphere. <laughs> what,
0: what was that video called? Do you remember what video that one's in?
1: uh It's called. Ga- it was Game of Drift, and I think that was the second version that I had done, uh, and just a blast. It's just different kooky ideas that I had come up with, and you know, it was almost. I was just thinking of like, you know, it'd be cool to do like a game of horse for cars, and uh, and it turned into Game of Drift, and we just come up with different funny, cool things. Uh, that could, would be fun to do that you know you don't get to do in, in a professional atmosphere
0: yeah well and and watching your videos you know me and my friends that even though we have like we, we pretend to be adults now and we have real jobs to feed our families like we grew up loving like the ken blocks and uh bucky Lassics and these guys that you get to hang out with now um but i want to talk about a little bit more about getting to that level so you you order a video from Japan. Can you can you walk us through a story of a, a technique that took a while to master that you feel like maybe kind of is one of those tricks that holds people back? Like, you know, you look at you look at skateboarding and you know, every every rebellious teenager can go by a skateboard and they can ride around, but like what tiny percentage of them actually learn how to ollie and kickflip? You know what I mean? And that like you're just right. not a skateboarder until you can do that, right? Can you talk about uh just a specific technique where you, you're watching the video, you chunked it down. You're like, man, that's the one thing I need to get better at. And that you had to, you really had to work at that it didn't come easily right off the bat.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'd say almost all aspects of drifting <laughs> didn't come super easily. Uh, one of them, I guess, the, using the handbrake or the, uh, the emergency brake. Uh, we, we refer to it as the handbrake, and, and nowadays we have a whole a separate set of brake calipers dedicated to just using the handbrake, and learning to use that properly uh, took some time for me. I was actually better, I think, back in the early days because I didn't know how to use it, so I wouldn't rely on it so much, but nowadays it's actually something that is uh, some kind sometimes can be a bit of a downfall because if you fall into the realm of using the handbrake too much, it can be just... You know, it doesn't make your run very exciting. You're not extremely committed, and that's something that I find myself doing. That I just have to tell myself to knock it off. Um, when, you, when you're, when you you know, using a handbrake in a section of a track that you know totally doesn't call for it, and it can make your run um, less exciting. So you're talking, you know, losing five points on a on a qualification score is, is, is huge. So um, and is that more just for
0: initiation? Types. or or what what's that what's the primary use of the handbrake is it for initiating when you're starting it's
1: essentially to help yeah i mean the use of a handbrake should mainly be for uh either extending a drift into a long link into a next turn Mm. where you can't really use the power of the car the or the momentum of the car to link it or uh i'd say yeah an an entry of course depending on the entry the type of course that it is. And, and, um, you know, if you can't, if you can't use a flick entry, which is a lot more exciting to watch, then you can just do a lazy handbrake in. <laughs> so essentially using a handbrake is, is to correct mistakes uh, as is as, as what I like to look at it as because you shouldn't be using that much unless uh, you, you, unless you absolutely have to, um, where in tandem it's nice to use the handbrake. Cause if you're riding super close to, to another car, um, and you have more grip than them when you're on power and you're going to maybe touch their car or um, get too close for comfort, you can just clutch, uh, push the clutch in a little bit and just grab the handbrake really slightly. It's, it's going to slow you down just a tiny bit, um, regain your com- composure with the distance on the car in front of you, uh, and not really make a big wonky looking mistake where the car looks like it's going to straighten up. I love it. See, mastering mastering the handbrake is there's a lot involved with it. And in being good at it, it takes a long, long time. And then when you get good at it, sometimes uh, it just you just rely on it a little too much. (laughs) See,
0: we we were the dumb kids in Canada, you know, on the snowy roads using handbrakes for corners.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and that's fine. You know, that's a good way to practice. That's that's uh, how I practiced a lot up in at home in New Hampshire was just uh, in a snowy, icy parking lots. And again, this is before, uh, drifting really had much of a grassroots, uh, um, uh, events around. So I would take the winters or the off season and, uh, and just practice in empty parking lots driving, you know, you're going like five miles an hour, maybe just kind of cruising around in the snow, but it was still a blast.
0: Yeah. Well, um, I know we probably only got time for one more question here for the first half of the interview. And, um, I, I really want to, uh, I really want to hear for you when you think about what so many guys like drifting, it's exciting, it's fun, it's, um, it's cool. There's all these aspects to it that attract people. And, and there's plenty of people that dip their toe in the water. When you think about the folks who they do chunk things down enough and they do challenge themselves enough on their practicing, what what do you think it is about them? What's different than the other folks who try, but they really just don't make it. Or the, you know, the, the people who would like to go on to be professionals and they are putting in the hours, but they're not, they're not achieving the level of mastery it takes to, to perform at your level versus your friends that have made it. What do you see in common with, with the guys you're out competing with that maybe the other folks just never get to?
1: You know, a lot of times I think it's just uh, a stroke of bad luck, um, and just your car not working properly, um. You know, f- money is always an issue with cars, um, just being so expensive, and and you know, just being able to go run a, we- a regular weekend event with a car that is even at an amateur, um, a, com- am- a competitive amateur level, you're still going to spend you know a- maybe two grand to compete for a weekend. Um, so even just going out to practice, you're you know, you're still spending quite a decent amount of money, and if you blow an engine, then you're almost you know, you're kind of, you're either done for the year, depending on what your financial situation is, or you are done for a couple of weeks, half a season. It just, it really depends. And I've seen a lot of talented drivers just kind of go out on, on that kind of thing where they're just like, all right, I'm just going to take a step back because I've, I've given it my all. I've, I've gone down the road as far as I can, I can take my, you know, personally and financially, and it just didn't work out. So with that being said, there's so many different factors uh, and a lot of times it does come, come down to money and that's a real bummer, but that's, you know, just the way it is yeah. uh, in this, yeah. in this sport and in motor sports in general.
0: And I think we should, you know, I want to talk a lot about marketing and the things you've learned on the second part of the interview. So let's talk about what people can do about it. Okay. So um, again, just where's the best place on the web for people who want to come see, see this stuff and see what you've done.
1: So to dry, oh, so to watch, uh, to watch content, I would say just you know search my name Ryan Turk in, uh, in YouTube and there's going to be a ton of videos that come up on, from Network A to Donut to Race Service, um, Gum Out, just all my different sponsors. You'll see a lot of different videos pop up that are, um, some better than others and uh, some newer than others. But I've I've have a ton of content out there and um, a lot of it's fun to watch. I hope.
0: <laughs> That's great. And by the way, folks, his last name is spelled T U E. RCK. Well, uh, this has been great. Everybody, please tune back in for the second half of the interview.
1: Now is the time to find your color, your paint and everything to get started during red, white and blue savings at the home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever with the best deals online and in store. You can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on 1 gallon and $40 off 3 and 5 gallons for a limited time only at The Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.